I found my thrill on Blueberry McGill. Tyler McGill pitched great in his MLB debut, and Michael Conforto, that sexy beast, returned to the lineup, and the Mets split the series with the Braves. We dive into the rookie's debut, the new lineup, the series ahead, and take a trip to Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy. The post Mike Puma will drop by to address what the Mets will do with their banged-up rotation. So crank up the volume. It's a brand new, amazing but true, from the New York Post. Crazy, yo. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. Welcome to Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, but give us a five-star rating on Apple. Write in a positive review. I'm your host, Jake Brown, alongside my co-host, former Mets pitcher, Nelson Figueroa, at Jake Brown Radio, at FiggyNY is where you can find us on Twitter. Joining us later in the show will be Mike Puma of the New York Post. And we did mention the teaser, but we do have a voicemail to play, Figgy. We will play a voicemail, and you got mail. But we're back here on short notice. We had a Tuesday show and now a Thursday show. And uh, you found your thrill on Blueberry McGill. I mean, Figgy, talk about his debut, because I thought his off-speed stuff was pretty nasty. Obviously, first time out, opposing hitters don't have the film on him. It's just not going to be the same story. But 4K is 4 to 3rd. Unfortunately, we'll get into it. Corey Oswalt, which it hurts me to even say his name, gets the win. But McGill did the dirty work and uh, pitched well for a series split on Wednesday night. Yeah, usually a rookie comes up and they're pitching against a, a team like the Braves. And even though the record doesn't show how good they are and how talented they are, those guys in the lineup, you would love to have them on your video game team. So <laughs> I could see McGill having uh, done his homework by playing MLB The Show the night before and hoping to, to have that kind of success. He did very, very well. He was very composed out there, knows himself, knows how to spin a baseball. You know, they, they don't even know what to put down for his pitches, you know, on all these websites. So he throws a slider and a cutter there's a little bit of variation in both the speed is almost the same I love the fact he's a big tall guy six foot seven the last time the Mets had a guy that height he threw 80 miles an hour not 95 miles an hour you know that's one of the things that you see is his angles uh, of his pitches they're coming differently than you know they've been seeing from these other Mets pitchers and you know what they actually do have video on this kid they've got video that goes back to you know when he pitched in college so they could watch that the scouting is so deep now that they already know what he's been doing especially in the minor leagues because there's video in the minor league parks too as well they're getting the heads up and so to go in your first outing not get yourself into a lot of trouble by walking a lot of batters not getting yourself into trouble by being behind all the time that's the biggest key to having success and it's a packed crowd and you're trying to get the split of the series and he held uh he, he did well for himself very well held his own you're talking about angles I'm, I'm thinking of instagram angles you know me and sarah getting our our white girl angles on our pictures you know on instagram <laughs> there's levels to this figgy you're not a big ig guy so uh no. You're never really on there. I'll tag you. I don't think you've seen any tag that I've ever tagged you. So, uh, nope. 
you did follow me back on Instagram, though. Yeah, but that uh, was because so. it was Hanukkah on the eighth night. On the eighth night, <laughs> no, that was Christmas. No, the eighth night you followed me on uh, Twitter. So oh, that's what it maybe, was. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe it was um, it was uh, Flag Day or something that you followed <laughs> me on Instagram. It was good to see Figgy because with all the injuries and with Strowman, I get there Tuesday. I turn my head and Strowman's out of the game. I'm like, yeah, it's gonna be a long day. You know, Yenzi Diaz wasn't bad, and the and the bullpen was solid on uh, Tuesday night, but they just couldn't hit a lick. I mean, for most of the game, Jared Eikhoff, I mean, I knew it was a wild game when one Jared Eikhoff had the only hit. It was a six-foot roller. He had pinch hit, and him and David Peterson were the Mets pinch hitters. Like, the Mets didn't prepare to win Tuesday because they did not have enough bats to even pinch hit to the point where you had two pitchers pinch hit. And it wasn't a Jacob DeGrom pinch hitting. I would have been happy if that were the case. It was David Peterson who was one hit in his big league career. Tuesday, you just throw away. I mean, that was ugly. So you, you don't even look at that. But it's just a strange week overall with what happened Tuesday with no hits Monday. Then you get a hit-a-thon on Wednesday. And the hit-a-thon comes at the hands of getting Michael Conforto back and you know you had McNeil come back the other night and this lineup Figgy just looks light years better when you have Conforto's bat and you know I think a lot of times when these guys come back from injury in these weeks off they almost are like so much better than they were like at the start of the season Conforto looked really good out there and this lineup is just light years better when you have him McNeil and soon to be Brandon Nimmo at the top of that order drawing walks you're having guys with higher OBPs, higher averages. Sorry to Nelson Figueroa Sr. McKinney will not be playing uh, at all anymore. Now Pilar becomes your fourth outfielder, and maybe McKinney's number five, but it changes everything with these guys back. No, I still think Almora Jr. is going to be your number five, so McKinney will be gone. Thank you for your service, McKinney. He held you know, held his own in right field and, and gave us some big moments with some timely home runs and things of that nature, and you have to appreciate what these guys did to keep this team afloat uh, atop of the National League East, but you know, let's be honest. We talked about this last week, You know, the whole team chemistry thing, and you got to keep these guys at no shot. No shot. You see what last night looked like when you have Conforto, Lindor, McNeil at the top of the lineup and just getting on base, hitting the ball the way that they can. Like this is what you expected from the very beginning of the season to kind of happen. You know, most nights where you, at least one of those three guys is going to have two to three hits, come up with some clutch RBIs and big situations. That's still what you're, what you're waiting to see from a guy like Conforto who's playing for a big contract. Uh, hopefully that time off, whatever was ailing him. And a lot of times with ball players, it's not the injury. It's not the injury that, that you see. It, it's everything else that around it that leads to that injury so you know whatever the injury may be so say it's a so say it's a hip could be his knee's been bothering him for a while could be his ankle's been bothering for a while and it just leads to something being weakened and all of a sudden you go on the dl for that other thing you have time to really let your body rest and reset and come back a lot stronger and a lot more well rested and conforto looked like that last night his swing looked great yeah mcneil and conforto are just so fun to watch when they are on it makes this mets team just a, a championship team it really Really does like these guys they, again you said thank you for your service like like they were frontline workers or, or something or uh, or they served in, in the marines for us they did not but you know also edwin diaz we got to mention because that was a big five out save to get out of that on Wednesday night, and listen, he continues to be solid. Two seven three ERA. He's been getting the job done. He's had a couple slip ups here and there, but 
you know, seven out of eight times, six out of eight, you know, seven out of nine times, he's usually lights out. I think we have enough of a sample size to give him a little round of applause here on Amazing But True. You know, the haters like our guy Sal Licata, who can't believe in him, <laughs> and all the negative Nancys out there are starting to pipe down a little bit because the trumpet man is getting it done. He's playing the horns, the people are dancing, and the Mets are winning when Edwin Diaz is in the game. So what was crazy was when he struggled mightily, and uh, he said it was the a lot of people said it was the baseball that the ball was slicker that year in nineteen. Uh, they couldn't get that downward action on their sliders. It wasn't spinning the same way. He actually went to Degrom and tried to figure out how Degrom holds his slider and tried to work on that grip because Degrom's just so good and so devastating. It's a good guy to learn from, I'd say. uh, Absolutely. That's where you want to go. You want to go to the best. I remember when I got to the Mets and I'm standing next to Pedro Martinez and Johan Santana. It was like, all right, show me how you throw your changeup. Show me how you hold your slider. And just this is what you do as a, as a, especially as a young player uh, coming up, you want to get information off the best. So when I see him and I knew he was working on the Degrom slider and it was working for the most part, but it seemed like every mistake he made left the ballpark and it was frustrating. As, as could be. So what you're seeing with Edwin Diaz this year, the same way they talked about Jacob DeGrom's slider getting a little bit tighter and having more downward movement, so is Diaz. So I think whatever they're working on, whatever the there's always pitch design. They upped the analytics team. They upped the, the coaches that are available that help with pitch design. And so you're looking at the spin of the ball being different. That slider is more devastating this year. You're getting a lot more swings and misses with it. And it's got a lot more downward movement. Jacob DeGrom's is the best on the planet. And so, of course, you're going to try and see, hey, how does he make it do that? How exactly is he getting that tilt? And so now that they have the analytics and they can plot point it, they can show him, hey, this is what he does. This is how he puts the spin on the ball. And then Edward Diaz is following suit because it almost looks exactly the same as DeGrom's. And I like DeGrom's when it's not necessarily 94 miles an hour when it's like around 90 miles an hour has more downward tilt to it and it gets those swings and misses and then when you're following it up we're praising DeGrom for throwing 100 miles an hour Edwin Diaz has been throwing 100 101 all season long as well so it's nice to have those kind of bookends to your your pitching staff and it gives it a nice balance all the way through I like that each show you kind of use a different SAT word that I might not know today was plot point can you explain plot point? We got to go to the Nelson Figueroa English Academy now. It's very simple. Think about hands on a clock, right? So what you're looking at is how, what kind of shape do I want my breaking ball to have? Do I want it to have a 12-6, which is straight up and down? Do I want it to have a 1-7? Do I want it to have a 2-8? to, to eight? It's those kind of things that you're trying to do is you're trying to shape the pitch. When I'm teaching kids or, or athletes, I'm trying to get them to understand if I release the ball at this angle at 2 o'clock, I'm getting the ball to break down towards 6 or 7. That's that downward tilt that you want. So that's a true slider. If you're making it go more sideways, so it starts out at two and it goes over towards nine, say, in that direction, that's more of a cutter. So you're trying to be able to develop a feel for both those things because there's situations where you want to do either or. So that's what plot point is. You can put where the height of that breaking ball is and where the breaking ball ends up. Then you draw a whole line from point to point, plot point. And it tells you the shape of that guy's breaking ball. Does your student need lessons? Head to the Nelson Figueroa Baseball <laughs> Academy. Need lessons? 555-5555. Give us a call. <laughs> the 1 to 7, the 2 to 9. I feel like I'm working the night shift tonight. What? You got all sorts of uh, spin rates. And and uh, <laughs> by the wayside here is Nelson Figueroa giving us all the details of how to throw any kind of pitch. Was there any pitch that you tried that just didn't work out. Like you had to, during your career, experiment with pitches, whether it was a knuckleball, a screwball, a John Franco special. 
What are some of the pitches you experimented with that were so difficult you attempted in your free time? So early on, it's funny that you say John Franco because he was one of the very first people that I picked their brain. Uh, and it was I was struggling with command of my changeup. Um, I tried different grips and because of the size of my hands compared to how I was holding the baseball, you know, we were taught the circle change and to hold the ball deep in your palm and that'll slow it down. It felt unnatural to me. So I asked Franco, how do you hold yours? And he's like, the biggest key is to tuck your pinky underneath the baseball and that lets the ball kind of rotate over the rest of your fingers and you don't have to really worry about where your pinky is on the side of the ball. I had never heard that before. So I started trying that and it was uncomfortable for me. So at least I tried it, right? It didn't, it didn't work. I found grips that I was able to do. And the grips were always changing. They were always being modified depending on how I felt that day, how how it moved in the in my warmups. If I had to go with a two-seam grip, a four-seam grip to try and get different movements. And I think on the way up, back when I was coming up, the knuckle curveball was all the rage because you could throw this curveball so hard because all it really was was holding a grip on a fastball and letting the ball spin over one of your other fingers, but you're throwing it just like a fastball. Guys like uh, Isringhausen, once they picked that up, it was an 85 straight up and down breaking pitch. My curveball was big, slow, and loopy. Mine was more Jerry Blevin style, right? I kept trying to do it, kind of trying to do it. I couldn't understand it, couldn't get the angle of it, couldn't wrap my head around it. And rather than let all my other pitches suffer, I just really focused on two or three that I could command at any time. And if I was relieving, I would have to be ready to warm up my fastball, both sides of the plate, and warm up a breaking ball. You didn't have time to warm up all your pitches. As a starter, and I had time to pace myself, I warmed up four, five, six different pitches to have available to me. The knuckleball, I could never do. My hands don't like to be smushed like that, my fingers. So I like the length of my fingers. I like to be able to put spin on the ball. I like to be able to spread my fingers and throw a good fork ball. Those were the keys to my success and always trying to be unpredictable about when I would use which pitch. So if you looked at a stat sheet on me and it said, oh my God, you know, 60% of the time with two strikes, he uses his curveball. Well, that game, I might make sure I go to some sliders a little bit more or go more fastballs. So that's always the game inside the game that you have to kind of figure out what the other team is expecting from you and then be able to, to have something else to throw later on in the game when it's third time through the lineup. 60% of the time, it works every time. Every time. Did, did, <laughs> did you have to get, I'm just curious, do you get like manicures to be a good, like, you know, I love a good mani-pedi session, you know, a couple times a year. Uh, you go with a lady, you get the mani-pedi, you get funny looks if I go by myself, so you bring a girl, and then do you have to get a good manicure to get a good grip on a ball? Like, does it, especially a knuckleball, or like, does it work better with a longer nail? I don't know, like when you grip a ball, is it better to have shorter groove? nails or longer nails or does it not matter <laughs> it, it does matter and what comes into play is that if you don't maintain your nail length and you break a nail just like anybody else you break a nail it hurts to squeeze a baseball and try and throw it as hard as you can so what was funny is we had ray ramirez on and he realized afterwards after the interview he goes you were the nail tech guy weren't you I said, yeah, I used to carry my own acrylic kit because I used to always have to make sure that my nails were stronger because I had thin nails and they would break all the time. And if it ripped across in college, I used to have blood stains on the side of my right side of my pant leg. Scouts were always like, man, is that a blister? What do you got going on? I'm like, no, I ripped my nail in half when I pitch. Don't know why. I tried like not throwing a certain pitch for a whole game and I would still wind up breaking my nails. Just a torque that I would put on my fingertips to make the ball move. And so I started using acrylic nails in college and I always had to do it and I always kept the kit to maintain my own just in case I broke it during the game. I wouldn't have to pull myself out. I'd have the acrylic kit to do it. So I took Santana in spring training to get his nail done. Johan Santana. 
Yeah. Just so everyone knows. Uh, yeah, no Johan. Yeah, yeah. Strange flex. Strange flex. <laughs> but it's pretty funny because, like, you know, you're, you're sitting there going, "Oh, you, you know, I got to bring a girl because I get strange looks." So here I am, and I'm like, I've gone to this place before over here in Port St. Lucie. I go, I'll take you because he didn't want to go by himself. So I take him there, and I go. We sit down, and we're sitting. In, I'm sitting down, like right next to him, and I'm explaining to the lady, "We want it short and thick. We don't want it, you know, long. We don't need two inch nails, two inch acrylic nails on just the two fingers." So the lady's like, "Okay." So I go, "Short and thick is, is how he wants to get it." So the lady's just sitting there, and I go, "You want to talk about strange looks? So if you go by yourself, that's a little bit of a strange look. You go with another guy, you get an even stranger look because <laughs> now I'm the one explaining what to do with his nails. So the lady's totally thinking like we're together. I'm laughing." And Santana's like, okay, that went from almost uncomfortable to very uncomfortable. He goes, but as long as they work, I don't care. So that's one of the things that for a knuckleballer, we should have asked R.A. Dickey that. I don't know if they like it or don't like it. For guys who throw knuckle curveballs, A.J. Burnett, when we were first drafted, I was playing catch with him. Here comes a fastball. Here comes a changeup. Okay, here comes a curveball. He throws his curveball, and it's just woof, straight up and down. And I'm like, how do you hold that? And he shows me his knuckle curveball. He puts his fingernail in between the seam, that little line that's in between the seam. He put his fingernail in between the seam, and he would throw it just like a fastball, holding it on the side. And the ball had this tight rotation. I tried it once. I ripped my nail clean right off. Ripped right in half. I'm bleeding. I'm like, dude, seriously, is that how you throw it? Or, or are you just messing with me? And he was like, no, man, you just got some thin nails. And ever since then, I was like, mm, knuckle curveballs out. So yeah, everybody's a little different, but it, it's definitely part of it that you got to make sure that you don't want to be on the IL for a, a broken nail. You know what I mean? Blisters one thing, but and the blisters will happen because you have cracked nails. So you got to maintain them. You got to take care of yourself. It's more than just your weird flex of getting a mani pedi. Sarah McCrory, have you been on the podcast IL for a broken nail, or, or do you have an acrylic nail kit of your own? I don't. But when you were saying that, you put like the whole nail on, like you put a whole acrylic nail on, a whole layer. Imagine you with like Cardi B nails, right? Yeah, that's what I it's not. <laughs> you got like the rhyme one time. <laughs> He, he did mention twerk, which I always hear as twerk. So, uh, party figgy. One time. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you'd benefit from a powder dip. That's like the new thing. It makes your nails really hard. Powder dip? What? Oh, excuse now me. I wanna do- now is I it, want a donut. They paint your nails with like a clear coat and then they dip it in powder and then they paint it again and they dip it in powder and it makes, it looks like nail polish. Yeah, I, I, I could see, I could see that. I mean, there's so many different ways. It, it wasn't about making, I used to always walk in there and go, I don't need it pretty. <laughs> I don't need it pretty. I need it strong. Okay. I need they always ask what polish I want. I'm like, should I get clear? I always question. I'm like, should I? Because <laughs> my guy, you know, my guy Constantine Maroulis from American Idol, friend of mine, used to get his nails. Like, I think his toenails. He's probably going to be mad if, you know, he's the guy who does our theme song. So this does relate. He has the amazing but true intro song. I think he gets his toenails clear or silver or something. I don't know if it's it's better for your health. I don't know. There's probably people wrong with the nail this. polish. Yeah, maybe I will. Maybe. I'll yeah, you should get the Mets colors. On your nails. Uh, Jake, <laughs> do we want to make that a bet? Like, if the <laughs> Mets, Sarah's a Yankees fan. If the Yank, I don't know. This is probably a bad idea. I'm gonna regret. <laughs> if the let's make a bet right now with the Subway Series next week in Sarah. Whoever wins the series, what what is the bet? Do I have to get uh? Do I have to get orange and blue? That's a good bet. I'll get no, you I'll get orange and blue if, if the Yankees lose. No, but for you it's nail bet. polish. Me, I've never worn nail yeah, polish. Yeah, but this I hate the Mets, so no, that you, sucks. no, 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 sorry, you gotta get ones with the Mets logo put on it. Okay, who's paying for that? Because I don't know what nail tech you go to. Don't worry, we'll, we'll get you. We'll get you a special place. We'll, we'll get those uh, decals put on there. But for Jake, all right. So what's the bet here? Because you already wear nail polish, so it doesn't make. I mean, 
I don't. I, I maybe I should take this back. I don't. I can't, I can't do nail polish because now it, it is it is hot bald boy summer right now. So I can't be in the streets with orange and blue nails. Uh, I already have the steak dinner. I owe figgy. What what maybe a butcher bar dinner for you, Sarah? No, I want you. To, I want to paint your nails. Oh, this is getting better. <laughs> Do they come off easily if it's like for a day? Well, or yeah, something? we can just do regular nail polish. Like you could take it off with nail polish remover. Okay, so let's do clear. If the Mets clear. lose two out of three, I will get no. clear nail what? polish. No. That's not a bet. <laughs> That's no. like an invisible bet. Mm-mm. This is this is this is a terrible idea. What am I thinking? Um, <laughs> so then, what color? I, I have to get orange and blue. Yep. Yeah, oh I'll do it. If if the Yankees lose, I'll get it. That's humiliating. For oh me, my god, humiliating. It. No, it's not. But you have to get something humid. Like you gotta. You get I don't the know. Mets logo on my nails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's still polished. No one's gonna know that. Oh, just do like heart M E T S right on her nails. <laughs> Do something like that. But people will just think, they see it for me, they're like, what the hell is going on here? Like, it's just... It, it's, it's, no, no. In this day and age, Jake, Okay, fine. You're you fine. only have to wear it for 24 hours. 24 hours. All right, but no, the, you have to get something... He won't go to a game. He'll just try to hide in his room. He'll I be can, like, oh, but... I was sick. I, I did it. No, I want him I want him wearing it the whole time. I want him at least for a week, and he's got to go to a couple of games. <laughs> No, 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 yep. no, no. Yeah. no games are going to happen. Oh, yeah, there, you're going no, to games. Not a shot. Not right, I, even... got, I got. I just got offered tickets for games, and I don't care. When you lose this, you're going to a game with me with the nail polish. I'll be Michael Jackson with gloves on. Like, I'm going to wear the gloves. I'm going to wear white gloves to the game. You know, oh, fun. my goodness. No, you have to have something worse than having uh, orange and blue nails, Sarah. I got to think of something. Now, how about this? You have to come to a game with us. And you have to wear the amazing but true shirt with me and Figgy's face on it. That's fair. Fine. That's fair. I mean, you're getting free tickets. So, I mean, it's that's a fair. And a free fair. shirt. So, like, that's fine. But yeah, it has to be worn and all the, day. And the nails. Yeah, 24, the nails. 24 hours of amazing but true and the orange and blue nails of the amazing but true shirt. And if this Mets, please don't lose two out of three. And I'm scared now because DeGrom is not scheduled to pitch over the weekend. So, all right. I can't believe I'm doing Are this. Are we doing just Saturday game or what? With the whole series? No, just series. Two out of three. Okay. Whoever wins. If there's a rain out and it's a split, no bet. So it has to be two out of three. Whoever wins. God, this is good. No, I think if Should there's we do... a split, you both have to do it. Yeah. Oh, God, no. It's only two out of three. So there's the bet. Sarah will wear the Amazing But True podcast shirt for a day. She'll wear it with us to a game. And I will somehow, some way, Sarah will paint my freaking nails orange and blue. You're listening to Amazing But True. It has gone off the deep end. The Mets play a four-game series against the Phillies doubleheader Friday. Look for me. I will be in fourth row next to home. I'll be wearing the shirt. Free promo. Figgy's face will be shown to the world and my face. Hopefully, uh, no jumbotron moves will happen this time for you, Figgy. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Please, no. Sarah, did you see that? Yeah. If I go with you guys, you can't get on the, the, the screen. <laughs> well, if I, yeah, okay. Well, I won't have the orange and blue nails then, so it's fine. If uh, if I had the orange <laughs> yeah. and blue nails on the screen, I, I'll be hiding. Hey, you guys, you guys forget. I, I, I know people, man. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get on the jumbotron. You're going to show off the nails. You're going to show off the nails, and then we can screenshot yeah. Sarah it's, wearing Mets gear. It's 100% awesome. happening. So, uh, I, I, God, bless, please, Mets win. I can't lose a, a steak dinner and wear and wear nail polish for the first time <laughs> in my life. Uh, my life would be ruined. Walker Peterson, Degrom, and Figgy's favorite pitcher. I cough going. 
this weekend. He'll get at least one more start. And it's a big series, Figgy. Mets, Phillies. Phillies are right there in the standings. The standings, it's four games, five games, five games. So Phillies sweep, and the lead is down to maybe one game here. So a big weekend ahead for the Mets. And we'll see Brandon Nimmo back in the lineup. Excited for that. So make your way out to City Field. I hope it's more packed, man, because it was 15,000 Wednesday. I've been a little surprised. I thought more people would go now that there's no COVID testing, you know, no vax needed. But maybe this weekend, now that school's out, you'll see a lot of kids out this weekend. Maybe we'll see 30,000 back at City Field like we did that uh, that first weekend. Coming up next on Amazing But True, let's play a quick voicemail before we hit the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy. You've got mail. All right. The Amazing But True hotline is open. Give us an email at amazingbuttruepod at gmail.com and call in. We'll do this every Thursday. Don't be shy. 845-391-3660 is the number. And here's our voicemail for this week. Hey, guys. This is Mark calling from Portland, Oregon. My question is, what are the chances we get to see Bartolo Colon return to the Mets? Got a lot of pitching injuries. Seems worth giving it a flyer. Curious to know what you guys think. Thank you. Love the pod and keep up the good work. Well, listeners across the globe here on Amazing But True, Portland, Oregon. That, that's just the country. That's just the country. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, math was my strong point back in the day. Good you know, God. The- this is what happens when you don't get out of well, Queens. Listen, you said, I mean, we got the listeners in the UK, that you, those guys that you know who listen to the show. I mean, I know the fascination with Bartolo. Listen, it'd be fun to see him out there. He's doing okay in the Mexican League. But this is the big leagues. I'm sorry. As much maybe I, I'd like to see him for one spot start. But I mean, I'd rather have a guy like McGill and a young pitcher who hitters don't really know over Bartolo Colon. You know, he'll give you five innings and, and four runs, but I think you could do better from that. You're giving me a look like you would love to see Bartolo back. I cough cologne. Really? I mean, I cough pitch a shutout. I mean, you're acting like he was he did terrible. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Honestly, you know, just like I did. Hey, a, a shout-out is a shout-out. You look in the box score, he did great. But watching that game, he was, oh, man, there was so many big swings. So many big swings. So many just misses where it was like, oh, man, it's, this is the inning. This is the inning. This is the inning. Honestly, you know what you're going to get from Bartolo Colon. Whether he's still throwing the one pitch, which is a 88-mile-an-hour sinker, still at the, whatever age he is now, that one-pitch sinker and his ability to just – throw you ground ball after ground ball. This defense is much improved. This defense is is exactly what a guy like he, he could be pitching to and not worrying about strikeouts, not worrying about overpowering people. He's just going to be able to go and throw that two-seamer on the outside part of the plate, backdooring it, front-dooring it to the lefties, doing all the things that Bartolo always did, and competing. You forget that they say, oh, wins don't matter. Wins matter when you're the number four or five pitcher and you're racking them up. He led the team two years in a row as he finished out as a Met. He led the team two years in a row with all these young, flashy arms. He led the team throwing one pitch. He was throwing nothing but an 88 to 92 mile an hour sinker. So is it the long-term idea? No. But when you're talking about the all these guys that are on the, on the IL, all these guys that are not able to perform more than one game before going on the IL, hey, this guy knows how to get the job done. He knows what he's going to do. And you can just plug him in. You're not going to worry about what the result is. Plug him in. What's the worst that could happen? I mean, I'm fine with the spots. And listen, he'd be fun to watch. I mean, big sexy is big sexy. I mean, who doesn't love big sexy? He's going to be your number five 
for the time being until somebody comes. But you, I don't want the right? time being. A one start, maybe two. I'm not saying pitch him for a whole month because we've seen him over a month. He's 48 years old. I mean, the story would be incredible, of course. And if they sign him, of course, I'm going to be like, all right, this will be fun. I'm not going to be mad. But I, You'd I be got- wearing orange and blue nail polish if Bartolo Colon was pitching. <laughs> Yeah, because they'd be losing. That's why I'd be wearing it. That's why would you say that? You don't it, it, listen. It, it doesn't matter as long as he knows how to pitch and he he is pitching professionally right now and getting outs. I told you, baseball's baseball, man. Once you get to sixty ninety and you're you know you're not in high school anymore and you're getting paid to play baseball, those guys can play in the major leagues if they got the opportunity. We saw it with COVID, kids that went from a ball all the way to the major leagues and got an opportunity to show what they could do where they never would have gotten that opportunity possibly if it was a normal season. So, am I saying it's the best option? But if you go around the league and you're like, man, what are we gonna get? Who are we gonna get? Could you sign them? If it doesn't work out, you release them. So what? Screw it. Sign them. <laughs> it's not your money jake yeah. it's not your money unfortunately for him we don't have double xl amazing but true shirts our, our cap was xl so big sexy uh is gonna have a tight squeeze like me when i was shooting at the garden and they gave me a shirt two sizes too small it wasn't two sizes too small yeah, stop this it this is the pastrami uh sandwich before <laughs> the matzo ball soup uh coming up next uh we take a trip to the nelson figueroa spanish academy on amazing but true Bienvenidos, mis amigos, to the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy. I, of course, am Nelson Figueroa, trying to teach Jake some Spanish, baseball Spanish, words that he can use when he's at the ball game, when he's around mixed company, and can actually hold a conversation. So far, not so good, because all the things that he knows are the bad words, of course, whenever you're learning a foreign language. But today's are relative to today's show, so we're going to start out with injury list. You ready? I don't know what bad words I really know besides... Conio, I guess, but... Oh, here we go. <laughs> Injury list. You ready? Let's do it. Lista de lesiones. Oh, my goodness. Lista de lesiones. That's close. Lista de lesiones. Lista de lesiones. Almost. There's a one yaw in there. I don't know what the one yaw is, but... <laughs> de lesiones. 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 There you what is go. it? Lista? No, no. Like, not Lisa. Lista. <laughs> Lisa. Not Lisa, Lisa, and Colt Jam. It's like the old Jewish list, woman when I read it. Like a list. Lista. Lista. De. De. You got the last part. Lesiones. Lesiones. Lisa. Lista. Lista. Del. Why do you have a Texas accent all of a sudden? Welcome. To- <laughs> How about him, Cowboys? Lista de lesiones. Lista de lesiones. That's as close. Let's as add another get. student to the academy. It's your turn, Sarah. You have, you have to get second. Your own embarrassment here. I'm bad at Spanish, but let's hear it. Can you just pronounce it one more time? Lista de lesiones. Lista de lesiones. Bam! Nailed it. Oh come on! She had a little. I don't know if that was perfect, but what? <laughs> I mean, it was American. Yeah, it was very but... Americanized. <laughs> Nailed it. It's like Taco Bell. It's. it's... <laughs> oh. It's like quesadilla. <laughs> oh. Yeah, she she wanted the polo fagitas. Oh, the taco truck was closed <laughs> last night. I was very disappointed. I was trying to get a quesadilla myself. Lista de lesiones. Close enough. Next one. In honor of our rookie who made his debut yesterday, uh, Mr. McGill, we got rookie debut. Debut de novato. Domo omigato, Mr. Roboto? What? Debut de novato. Debut de novato. What's that last word? No, why novato or gato? Novato, novato. Novato. Yeah. Debut de novato. Debut. Like debut, debut, but 
boot, boot, like a boot. De boot? Like Canadian style, yeah. De megato. No. Who's megato? No rato. Yeah, my short-term no. memory is lost. No. Oh, God. What? We just did. De boot, de megato. No megato. There's no M. What? There's no M. Gato is cat, right? Yeah, oh, exactly. There you go. Debut. So de far, what? it's the de, it's the debut of his cat. Apparently, is what he's saying. <laughs> debut de novato. Debut de novato. Novato, yeah, like de Nevada, novato. but novato. novato. Correct. All right, Sarah, your turn. Debut de novato. Debut de novato. Dude, she's in she's... top of the class right now. <laughs> oh, listen. <laughs> in Spanish, I was a C a C student, so uh, on a good no, day. C means yes. C just means yes. That's what I you think. Want. I had to take a W because I was close to getting an F. <laughs> so I said a double I took a double on that one. Uh, Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy brought to you by Taco Bell. No, just kidding. But uh, if they want to sponsor and send me some cinnamon twist, I will gladly take them because they're most underrated item on the menu. And the Cantina menu uh, does not have the cinnamon twist, which is just a disservice to all people the size of Bartolo Colon and me. Coming up next on Amazing But True, Mike Puma. Does he speak a little Spanish? He'll join us next here on Amazing But True. Joining us now on Amazing But True is Mets beat writer for the New York Post, Mike Puma. Follow him on Twitter at NYPost underscore Mets. Read stories in the post and at NYPost.com. You could also get, I'm, I'm still waiting for my copy in the mail, Puma, the book, If These Walls Could Talk, New York Mets. You know, uh, New York Post budget. I don't know if I can afford a copy, but uh, I'll see what I can do. Uh, you could get that. Uh, it is out now wherever you get books. What do you think of Tyler McGill? Tyler, the OR throws me off every time, but I thought he was solid. I think he might be an option here and might get a few more starts in the rotation. Yeah, and, and you know, the nice thing is he kind of lines up with the off day. He kind of lines up where Stroman's space would be on Monday if they decide, hey, let's not push Stroman too hard here and maybe, you know, give him a start or two to uh, get himself together with the hip. But uh, no, I, I thought McGill was terrific last night. Had good velocity. Uh, a 25-year-old, I don't know if you call a 25-year-old a kid, but a 25-year-old guy coming into City Field for the first time. Listen, to me, anybody under 40 is a kid. But <laughs> uh, but uh, coming into City Field on that stage and uh, putting up the kind of performance he did, that, 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 that was a terrific boost for the Mets. Do we think Stroman, I know they're saying day-to-day, but... You know, with a hip, you never know. Do you think he's okay? Do you think it's just a one start, maybe miss one start, and then he's back? Seems that way right now. That there's not a lot of uh, concern now. I I think they got to wait until he goes out and throws and maybe attempts a side session or something like that. But listen, uh, with these pitchers, I, I would err on the side of caution every time because you're, you you you've got to get through the season with these guys. And if the way I think they've done a pretty good job with the Degrom, the way they've done it now. Even though I, I probably would have maybe sat him a start the last time, but he, you know, he went out and gave him the five innings. I, I think with the way um, this kid pitched last night, it, it gives you some leeway. Let, let, you know, maybe let's take another look at him and give Stroman a chance to to rest here. But they got to get an arm, right? Like, do you see them being active on the trade market for a starting pitcher? Are there any names? On your mind, or do you think that will be out there, or maybe on one of these non-contending teams that the Mets go after? I think they have to get a, they have to look seriously for a, pit, a pitcher, you know, you, you, because the problem here is, you, you know, they loaded up on they went out and got all this depth in the off season. Now that the depth is the one that's 
hurt too because you know a guy like think of how valuable a guy like Yamamoto would be right now if he were healthy. That that'd be the, you know the perfect piece to plug in there. But he, he's been on the sixty day IL with the shoulder. It doesn't sound like he's throwing yet. And we thought Syndergaard was going to be back already by now. Carrasco, we thought Carrasco was going to be yeah. And that's three big depth pieces. If you if you had one of those guys, it'd be huge right now. So I, I think they definitely got to be out looking. Um, you know what what are we at June twenty fourth? It's not going to heat up for another two three weeks anyway. What do you think has been the biggest storyline for this team thus far this season? Well, you you start with DeGrom. I mean, the guy's got an 050 ERA. I think I, I remember making it, you know, in, in spring training, I think he pitched on 068. And I remember making a joke like, yeah, imagine if he could do this during the regular season. Well, he's he's, a, he's actually been a little bit better than that. You know, you know, I, I think the concern like anything else is if, if he's going to hold up here. We've seen him limited to 70. He hasn't gone over 80 pitches or, you know, 80, 85 pitches uh, since the end of April here. You know, when are they going to turn him loose? Can they turn him loose? And kind of what's the plan? to get him through the season yeah but my biggest concern is because in this day and age and all you hear about and i know this is me sounding like an old guy but my biggest concern is this is the ace of the staff and undoubtedly the best pitcher on the planet right now right and he goes one complete game and he throws over 100 pitches and then he starts breaking down and i know they keep saying it's his swing it's because of you know hitting and that's what he's feeling you know the soreness the tenderness and all the little the little injuries that are occurring here but it's got to be concerning every time a pitcher these days goes a complete game we haven't seen anybody go back to back complete games i mean that's un- mind blowing to think about now and yet you don't see these pitchers able to do it even though they're bigger faster stronger can't put my finger on what it is but i do think that for most of these guys it's the mindset that they have put forth with these guys that it's not what they need to do. They don't have to do it. And when they do it, it physically is a taxing thing that they're not used to doing, but you're training the same way. Why do you think this is such a, a, a unbelievable thing to see guys maybe go back to back complete games? I don't have the answer for that. And I, I almost, you know, every time DeGrom pitches, I, I think there's probably a, a sigh of relief from the dugout when he gives up that hit. So they don't have to deal with that, uh, that dilemma of leaving him in the game to throw 120 pitches for the go for a no-hitter. DeGrom, the competitor, I, I totally think he wants to go out there and, and throw a no-hitter, multiple no-hitters. But at the same time, I think he also realizes when that hit comes, okay, we, we don't have to here, here's one less issue we have to deal with. So, hey, that, that day's going to come where, you know, they get through seven and, you know, the, he still hasn't given up the hit and he's, you know, around 100 pitches and they're going to have to make a big decision. Well, I mean, it's it's not even 100. It's like get to 80. Like Tyler McGill gets to 92. DeGrom never gets there. And it's like, when are you going to take the leash off this guy? If you're going to throw him out there, he should be good to go. If, if he's not, then put him on the IL and let him rest for 10 days. I just don't get the... Whole 70 pitches, 60 pitches, 55 pitches over five innings. I mean, it's you're not a fan, but it's got to be even frustrating for you for a guy who's been covering baseball for so many years to see a guy come out after like 60 pitches and one hit. Yeah, I mean, you want you want to see these elite performers go as deep in the game as they could go. You know, whether whether it was uh, you know the Scherzers, the Kershaws. Uh, I mean, if you think back to that season Arietta had a few years ago. I mean, you you want to see these guys go eight innings, and it, it is kind of uh, deflating to see them come out after five or you know even six innings. Now that Michael Conforto's back, McNeil is back. You know, you start seeing almost 
the full opening day lineup, will this offense be able to do what they did last night and continue to do this? It looked good last night. You know, just having Conforto in the middle of that lineup, it, it, make, it just makes it look different, right? Now now you wonder because, okay, Nimmo's the guy, next guy you're waiting for, then J.D. Davis after that. And the thing is, even when you kind of had the whole band together there at the beginning of the season, they weren't tearing the cover off the ball. So I think they kind of have to go out and, and prove that it's going to be a pretty good line. And I think, you know, one of the keys, obviously, and we saw last night, Francisco Lindor, when he's productive, it, it, it changes the equation completely. Do we expect Brandon Nimmo back this weekend? And how will the lineup work? Will he be back at the top? Is McNeil two, Lindor three? Does everyone move down a spot? How do you, how do you see that playing out? I think we'll probably see Nimmo this weekend. I mean, I, I like Nimmo at the top of the order. I, I, I just, what he brings there, he's, sees pitches, he gets on base. I think they may go back to him at the top and, and sliding McNeil down, whether it's six or seven, whatever it is. Yeah, I think I think Nimmo is a big piece. Now J, now JD Davis is still, you know, we don't we don't know how far off he is. There's, you know, he might be still a week, week and a half away from starting a rehab assignment. And then uh, you know, how he slots in will be a, a, another uh, issue too because uh you know they've gotten some pretty good production from uh you know whether it's been uh, VR, Peraza slotting in there, Guillaume I, I don't know if J.D. Davis is going to be a full-time player when he comes back, but it, it, it's a bat. You know what's killing me is uh, we're sitting here and we're like, man, these guys have done such a great job filling in. And you look at their numbers, they're batting 220. <laughs> it's a different age. It's just a different age of baseball. Like a guy like Peraza, it just seems like his, you know, he's got six, seven homers, whatever it is. It just seems like they've all come at big times in games to put him ahead or whatever. Giorme just seems like he has a knack for getting on base and a bit. It's just, it's kind of when it happens as much as anything with these guys. I think that it makes you overlook the low batting average. Yeah, I was arguing with my dad on Father's Day because he was like, okay, these guys are coming back healthy, but McKinney's got to stay. McKinney's got to play. And I'm like, McKinney? <laughs> I go, dad, he's batting 220. I go, he's got seven home runs, but I mean, he's batting 220. These guys are batting the low 200s and we're sitting back going, what a great job they've done for this team. Yeah, I think the bloom's off the McKinney Rose. I mean, it seems like once uh, guys like me started writing about him, it just... You the mush. You're the right mush. That, you know? You're yeah. the mush. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it looks so much better with Conforto and McNeil in there. It's unbelievable. And then, you know, speaking of injuries, I did not think that I would eat more cookies then we would see Cookie innings pitch, and that's Carlos Carrasco. Will we see him at any point in the month of July? When when is he coming back? Because everyone wants to say, oh, guy comes back from injury. It's like a trade deadline acquisition. Well, right now for the Mets, they haven't had him out there, and they could badly use Carlos Carrasco. Yeah, you know, he's got to actually come back from the injury to be a, be a trade deadline acquisition. And it, it's hard to get a gauge on him. I, I don't know if we're going to see him in July. Right now, you, you'd probably put the, uh, you'd pin it on August 1st, if anything. But, he, you know, he's still got to go out there and get on a mound and then build up. God only knows what's, what, what's going to happen when he gets into a rehab assignment. Can't hold your breath waiting for Carlos Carrasco. Syndergaard, same kind of thing. You know, he's he's even later. You're probably talking late August, early September. When they, you know, if you, if you get one or two of those guys down the stretch, it's a bonus. But if you're, if you're going to sit here and say, okay, we could sit tight at the deadline because one of these guys is going to come back to help us, I think you're going to be in trouble. Listen, I, I hate to knock it in, but why is Corey Oswald back here? I mean, we've seen this show and we've seen this song and dance before. Why does Winning this guy pitcher, keep Corey coming Oswald. Up? Winning pitcher. 
Oh, that's ridiculous. Only by the stat book. I mean, he, he was not the winning. I know he ended up two and a third a run. but They were so hard-pressed last night. They they just had to get a, a live body in there that can give him some inning that, you know, worked out. A live body. Usually it's the loose body in the arm. Now we have a live body in the building. Listen, even the, even the 12th um, man gets a ring in basketball. Leave him alone, all right? The 25th man on the roster will get a, a World Series ring as well. So, hey, he was there. He was serviceable, right man at the right time, and winds up getting a win. I take it. And now if it was co- the Corey Oswald of old that gave up four home runs in the game, and then you send them back and you say, please never show up again. But he did a serviceable job. Do they want Sean Reed Foley to get his air miles up? Is he trying to get some rewards points through American Airlines or something? Like, wh- why does he keep going up and down? I, I feel like he... He should stay here. That's the tough part about being the guy that has options. You draw the short end of the straw when they, any anytime they got to make a roster move. I mean, you know, Drew Smith's kind of uh, in that category too, a guy that they can uh, move in and out. So it's just uh, about the flexibility. Hey, Reed Foley, uh, he's come back to earth a little bit his last couple of appearances after looking so good uh, earlier in the season. You can read all of his coverage in the New York Post and nypost.com and get his book, if these walls could talk, New York Mets, follow on Twitter, NYPost underscore Mets. Mike Puma, Puma, good to uh, check in with you. Thanks for coming on. Great to be here, fellas. That'll say adios to episode 63, the Tim Peterson edition. We're getting into some ugly ones now of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to you, Jake and Sarah McCrory, for producing the show. Please subscribe to Amazing But True and give us a five-star rating. And write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Gracias, mis amigos. For Nelson Figueroa and his Spanish Academy, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back on Monday after the Mets' four-game series with the Phillies at City Field. Enjoy the games, folks. I'll see you there. Let's go, Mets.